chapter 5. We're not going through a a thorough uh, exposition of this passage today, but it will serve as sort of an anchor text for us as we again make our way around various parts of the scriptures and consider what God's word has to say on the subject of elders. And today in particular, uh, when it comes to elders, we're thinking about what do they do? What is it exactly that we want men to do when we call them to be elders? And it's the first thing you need to know in any job you take on. Uh, What's going to be asked of me if I step into this position? Let me see a job description so I'm absolutely clear about what it is that I am to do. Becoming a church elder, of course, isn't just like any other job. But considering that it's a job in the church of Jesus Christ, we do, of course, need to know. It's all the more important for a man to know what it involves and for all of us to know what we should expect of our elders and indeed what we should look for in those we consider voting for as elders. We saw last week that the New Testament uses several different words to describe the same office, the same job. Words like overseer, elder, pastor, bishop, they all describe the same job in the church. And we saw also that an elder may or may not be the full-time preacher, but all the elders hold the same authority and the same office. But today we want to think about what does that office involve? What are elders supposed to do? Well, the Bible provides us with a wonderful picture to help us understand the heart of this, to help us understand what an elder is supposed to be and to do. And that is the picture of a shepherd, a shepherd. Shepherd is just another word for pastor. Pastor in English comes from the Latin word for shepherd. Jesus himself, of course, is described over and over again in the Bible as a shepherd. In Mark 6, verse 34, we read of Jesus uh, looking at a great crowd of people that were coming to him. And uh, it, says that, it says there in Mark six thirty four they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus' heart went out to them and he wanted to be their shepherd. In John chapter 10, of course, Jesus says of himself, I am the good shepherd. Here in 1 Peter 5, Peter describes Jesus as the chief shepherd. The perfect shepherd. And it's important to bear that in mind, friends, because of course no church elders are perfect. We are all flawed. We wrestle with our own sins. We have to repent of our sins. And we don't always get everything right, even in our role as elders. But Jesus is the perfect shepherd. And so the best thing that any church elder, any church shepherd can do is to learn from Jesus and to point the people to Jesus. The job of an elder is the job of a shepherd and to point the sheep toward the chief shepherd. And so we're going to think more specifically today about how elders are to shepherd the flock of God's people. And all the headings today are borrowed from uh, a chapter in Jeremy Rin's book. Uh, Only the headings are borrowed. I'm not just reading word from word from the book, but the headings were so catchy that I really just had to use them because I really like some of them very much. So uh, all of those come from his book, uh, Elders from the Nine Marks series. But we're going to think about five aspects of the work of an elder today. And the first one is that elders are to lead without lording. 
Elders are to lead without lording. Look at 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. And he goes on, not domineering, or some of your translations will have not lording over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So elders are to lead without lording. In the ancient world, sheep were led, and perhaps in some parts of the world, sheep still are led rather than driven. In our country, sheep are rounded up. Uh, The shepherd walks behind them and directs them and herds them where they are to go. But in other parts of the world and in Jesus' time, sheep were led. They listened to the voice of their shepherd as he called them to follow him. Uh, Maybe you've heard the story of the traveler, the foreigner, traveling through the Middle East and they sit down during a long journey on a hot day, they get some shade and they see two different uh, uh, flocks of sheep coming in opposite directions led by their shepherds, the two shepherds coming towards one another. And as the traveler watches the, the shepherds, they meet and they, they, they begin to talk to one another and, and they take a break and, and the sheep from both flocks begin to mix and mingle together. The traveler thinks, well, How are these shepherds ever going to sort out whose sheep are whose? How are they ever going to continue on with their journey with all their sheep? But when the shepherds move off, there's no problem at all. Because all the sheep know the voice of their own shepherd. And they follow their own shepherd. Psalm 23, of course, says, He leads me, he leads me beside still waters. The pastors in a church are to be leaders. When the members of a church look at one of their pastors, they're to see a leader and they should be able to follow his words and follow his example. But Peter goes on to describe how this leading is to be done. Look at verse 3. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And again, the NIV there has not lording it over those entrusted to you. It's a word that means acting as though you're more important than other people. A pastor in a church has no grounds for ever doing that. In fact, if anything, his concern, his attitude is that the people are more important than him, that that their needs come before his. He is not the master of anyone in the church. Christ alone is the chief shepherd of the church. And so a proud or a pushy or a a domineering or a bullying pastor is no pastor at all. And while of course being being an elder, being a shepherd does involve a great deal of speaking, much of the leading of elders, friends, is to be done by example, as Peter says here. Peter says, be examples to the flock. If you want to know what a man of prayer looks like, you should be able to look at the example of your elders. The commitment to worship that we urge upon you all should be a commitment exemplified in the elders. The commitment to other times of informal fellowship and just interest in each other's lives should be exemplified in the elders. We'll think more about this in the coming weeks, but whether it's the realm of worship, work, Family life, hobbies, church shepherds need to be able to say, 
do what I do, not just do what I say. And if elders lead like that, then following them will be a joy. A man who is particularly loving as Christ is loving, gentle or compassionate as Christ is gentle and compassionate, a man who knows and loves his Bible and loves to be in the place where the Bible is read and taught and preached and sung from, a man who loves to worship with the the people of God, of course will want to be more like a man like that. We'll want to speak to our family members as he speaks to his. We'll want to show the commitment that he shows to the needs of others. And in a few weeks time, folks, when it comes time to vote, you should vote for men who already lead by example. None of us are leading with a perfect example. But by God's grace, vote for men who already lead by example, albeit imperfectly. One preacher has said, elders should be elected when they already exist. We don't elect a man as an elder hoping that he will eventually become an example or eventually be qualified. We should vote for someone who is already an example, already a man of Christ-like grace. In what other job would you choose someone in the hopes that someday they'll be qualified for the job? It's the person best qualified now who gets it, who can be trusted to lead by word and deed when when they're in a position of authority because in many ways they're already leading in those ways. And so friends, pastors in a humble way, aware of their deficiencies, aware of their imperfections, aware of their constant need for the help and example of Christ, pastors are to lead without lording. But the second way in which elders are to be shepherds is that elders are to smell like sheep. Elders are to smell like sheep. And this is perhaps my favorite of Jeremy Wren's headings from his book. And you might be thinking, what, does he, what in the world does he mean elders should smell like sheep? Well, perhaps some of you know very well what it is to come in from the milking parlor or from the fields. And your wife doesn't have to ask where you've been. The smell tells her everything she needs to know. Uh, Some of my cousins are dairy farmers and we used to go out to their farm almost every weekend at times. And um, as we would be perhaps sometimes in the parlour with them, um, all the cows just looked the same to me. Just a a patchwork of black and white and all pretty much the same shape and size and all kind of doing the same sorts of things. And they just all looked the same to me. But the farmers knew exactly which cows were which at a mere glance. They had this great knack of being able to say which number the cow was and then having a look to see and they would always get the number right. They knew what sort of health they were in. They knew how much milk they were likely to produce, how well they were feeding. They knew which ones needed special care and attention. The point being, friends, a good shepherd is among his sheep. He spends time with them. He knows them. He is interested in them. David Dixon, a Scottish elder who lived in the 1800s, has a great little book called The Elder and His Work, and it stood the test of time. And here's what he says about the relationship between the elder and the members of the elder's church. If possible, every elder should personally know every member of the congregation, which in our smaller congregations will not be difficult. 
He must be acquainted with them all, old and young, their history, their occupations, their habits, their ways of thinking. They and their children should be his personal friends so that they naturally turn to him as to one on whom they can depend as a faithful counsellor. Some churches today talk about having a board of elders and there's nothing wrong necessarily with referring to your elders that way. But it does perhaps make the job sound a bit more like running an organisation, running a business. And perhaps can lead to the idea that elders are too busy or too important to take much time for the personal needs of the people. Elders, in a sense, do help to run an organization. But far more important than that, friends, is, as Peter says here, 1 Peter 5, 2, that they shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock of God, Peter says, that is among you. In other words, get in amongst the people. Peter's assumption is that that's what the elders will be doing, that they will be amongst the people. It's a strange shepherd that isn't willing to spend time with sheep. In fact, it's no sort of shepherd at all. And yes, elders, to some degree, need to be on top of the systems and policies and procedures of a church. And there are things that every church needs to have in place to comply with uh, various uh, uh, pieces of legislation and so forth today, as long as they don't impinge on our worship and our witness. And elders need to be on top of those things, those kind of nuts and bolts aspects of church life. But we should be far more concerned with the people of our church. Rin says, elders must resist the drift toward being mere organizational managers. And this is one of the reasons why, friends, that ideally that the various ministries of a church, yes, they need to be uh, perhaps run past the elders. Elders need to consider whether such and such a ministry is needed or required. But to a large degree, if they are, being, if they are going on, uh, it's a great blessing if members can get on with them so that elders aren't the ones just organizing everything uh, and having to just basically become event managers. Instead, elders are to prioritize knowing the personalities, the needs and concerns of the sheep. That's why one of the qualifications of pastors is that they are to, and you understand today, as I say pastors, I mean ministers and elders. Talked a bit about that last week, but it's all interchangeable. But one of the qualifications is that they are to be hospitable. That we're to be inviting people into our homes or we're to go to their homes or we meet them elsewhere so that we get to know them better and are able better to minister to their needs. So elders are to be shepherds. They're to smell like sheep. And thirdly, elders are to shepherd by serving up the word. Elders are to serve up the word. There is nothing more vital for a shepherd to do for his sheep, of course, than to feed them. Otherwise, they starve and they die. The first thing Psalm 23 describes the shepherd doing for his sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes the sheep somewhere where they can be well fed and nourished. It would reflect very poorly on a farmer or a shepherd if his sheep or his cattle were scrawny and sickly looking. Imagine what the neighboring farmers would say. Well, friends, it's no exaggeration to say that in our country today, 
there are some pretty scrawny Christians. Not physically perhaps, but spiritually. They're not growing in their knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not encountering the, the holiness and the righteousness and the justice of God each week when they come to a worship service. And why is that? It's because their elders are not ensuring that they are being served up the word by the preaching elder. In fact, in some cases, to their shame, there are elders in churches today who are getting in the way of preachers serving up the word. Who will be saying words to the effect to the preacher, we don't need, you know, a big long, a big long sermon, thanks. Just, just a wee talk would be more what we're looking for in this church, actually. Uh, we're, we're more of a church that like to focus on worship, and by worship they mean singing and music. Uh, and that's what we like our, our services to be about. Just you give us something to think about maybe at the end as we're leaving. Or, or maybe if you want to say something to the children especially, that would be great. Uh, but certainly don't be preaching about sin and judgment for any length of time. Now it might not be as blunt as that, but that is the implication and that is the reality in many churches today. The chief responsibility of elders in the church, friends, is to ensure that the sheep are fed the word of God. Elders may not be able to minister to their people at times if their people are going through a crisis of some kind, if their people are facing problems, struggles, grief in their lives. Elders might not be able to minister out of a greater degree of experience or a greater degree of even wisdom. But they come and they minister through the word. They bring the word and they pray for their people. Elders are to ensure that the sheep are fed the word of God. And this does not mean that all elders have to be able to preach all the time necessarily. But certainly all elders have to be able to explain God's word and to teach God's word. And sometimes occasionally that might involve a ruling elder preaching uh, and indeed looking at the at the need of our denomination at this time for for preachers week to week in in our vacancies i think we're fast approaching the time where we need more ruling elders to occasionally preach but not every ruling elder will have to preach or be asked to preach maybe they'll teach a bible class maybe they're able to explain the bible one-on-one -on -one in a bible study to a newcomer to church or or a neighbor of a church member Maybe they're able just to draw upon their knowledge of Scripture in the course of conversation. But if an elder is asked by someone, friends, what does it mean to be a Christian? The elder should be able to give a clear, simple answer from the Bible. If an elder is asked to explain a, a, a tough passage of Scripture or maybe a challenging aspect of the teaching of Scripture, he should be able to do it to some degree at least, or at least to be able to say, I'll study that a bit more closely. I'll have a look at it. I'll come back to you with an answer. Elders need to be able to handle the word, even if that's not in the pulpit. If you asked a builder to come to your house and build a wall, and then he arrived, and, and, and after a few hours you went out to check, and, and he didn't really seem sure what he was doing, or he was sort of looking at his tools as if to say, what do I do with this? Well, you would think, what sort of a builder is this? How much more important is it that the elders of the church are able to handle God's word 
and to feed his people with it. And although it's the teaching elder who usually feeds the sheep from the pulpit, it's the responsibility of all the elders to oversee the preaching in the pulpit and to review the preaching regularly and to ensure that the preacher is is getting his message across effectively to the people week after week. It's also the job of the ruling elders to speak to the teaching elder if his preaching is out of balance. If there are certain hobby horses that keep coming up week after week, no matter what part of the Bible he's in. If the language he uses isn't clear or isn't relevant. If there's a lot of sort of strong rebuke and and not enough encouragement. The elders, friends, are the ones who need to be able to bring those things to the teaching elder and and to oversee the the preaching in in their church. You might be surprised to hear this, but everything I preach, everything I plan to preach, I bring to the session first uh, and we discuss it and and we pray about it and we commit it to the Lord. Ordinarily, I will be asking the elders in the course of a sermon series, how is this coming across? Is the tone right? Is, Is the balance right between explaining the text and applying the text? And it's up to the elders to ensure that those things are as they should be. It's up to the elders as well to ensure that whoever is preaching in the minister's absence perhaps or in a time of vacancy is qualified to preach. That either another ordained man is preaching or at least a man who has recognisable gifts and perhaps has formally expressed interest in training for the ministry. So all that to say, even if the elders themselves aren't always the preachers or maybe are never the preachers, They're still to oversee those who do preach and they're to ensure that the flock is well fed. So elders are to be shepherds who lead without lording, who smell like sheep, who serve up the word and who fourthly protect the flock. Elders are to protect the flock. Listen to what Paul said to the Ephesus elders before he left them. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he says to the elders, be alert, be alert. Second Peter chapter 2 talks at length about false teachers, people who want to exploit the church and abuse the church for their own ends. And the duty of elders, friends, is to protect the church from false teachers and false teaching. Jesus says in John 10, verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A true pastor, an under-shepherd of Christ, protects the sheep And so again, elders need to know the word so that they can spot when people are deviating from the word. Elders elders need to be able to spot errors and false teaching. Perhaps there's a particularly popular Christian book doing the rounds or a particularly popular, almost a celebrity Christian preacher and uh, people in the church are aware of this book or this person and, and elders need to be aware of them as well and consider whether that teaching matches up with the 
true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if not, the elders need to be able to correct that and uh, to make the sheep aware of that. But protecting the flock also means that pastors go after straying sheep. Pastors are to go after straying sheep and bring them back into the fold. Sometimes pastors have to speak to members and out of love and concern challenge them about something that they have said, something that they have done, a pattern of behavior that is publicly known about and runs contrary to their profession of faith. And it can be daunting and difficult to do that at times. Uh, It can be difficult to contact someone who hasn't been at worship in several weeks or even months and arrange to chat with them and, and see what's going on. And it can be difficult talking to someone about their lack of engagement in church life or a dispute they're involved in with another member of the church. But friends, a shepherd has to love his sheep more than his own popularity or reputation. Perhaps sometimes he has to love his sheep enough to risk them being angry with him or taking offense at him. Now, no elder wants to cause offence or to hurt anyone's feelings, but sometimes out of love, that has to be done. Sometimes a shepherd will inflict a measured, controlled, necessary degree of pain on a sheep for their own good, to protect them from far worse pain that they perhaps are in danger of doing to themselves. That's partly what the rod and staff symbolise in Psalm 23, the shepherd prodding the sheep or grabbing the sheep before they can do themselves more serious harm. And so all good shepherds, under shepherds of Christ, will protect the flock. And then the last thing that elders are to do in the role as shepherds is they are to plead for the flock. And I say last, but really this pleading, this when I say Uh, It's last, really. This is something that should be going on in the midst of all the elders' duties at all times. They are to be pleading, that is, praying for the flock. Jesus himself, of course, prayed for his flock regularly during his earthly ministry. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says that he prayed all night before he chose his 12 disciples. Uh, You remember just hours before his own death, Jesus was praying for all his followers Present and future, John chapter 17 records Jesus praying for his followers. Acts chapter 6 tells us that as the church was growing in its earliest days and as the needs of the church began to multiply, deacons were appointed specifically so that the apostles and elders could continue to focus on prayer and the teaching and preaching of the word. And so prayer, friends, is to be the great priority of the elders of the church. It's to be something that we are to be doing as we teach, as we serve up the word, as we go amongst our sheep, as we uh, protect the sheep, as we pastor and counsel the sheep. All of these things are to be immersed in prayer. Here's what Jeremy Wren says about elders and prayer. He says, our spiritual inability should drive us to call out for God's power to bring growth to our congregations. If the demanding scope and humanly impossible success criteria of an elder's job description are not enough to send him pleading to heaven for help, one glance in the mirror should do it. 
See what he says there? We know that our task is beyond us as elders. And we know ourselves how imperfect we are as elders. And so we are to be praying throughout our time as elders. Elders must be men of prayer individually and collectively. And that's, of course, the great paradox of the church pastor is that the church pastor is also a sheep. Uh, We seek to feed the flock. We seek to care for the flock in a Christ-like way. But we ourselves also need the care of the flock. We also need the care of the elders and of Christ, of course, himself. We need the power of the Lord Jesus Christ for our temptations. We need the power of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit for, uh, for our own daily lives, for our family life, for the decisions we make, for the work that we do. There are no perfect human shepherds. There is only the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of imperfect under shepherds who should depend upon him in prayer for all that they need. And one of my greatest encouragements in my last congregation was that as time went on in our, in our session, we found ourselves spending more and more of our meetings in prayer. Uh, we, we at times considered a, a dedicated monthly elders prayer meeting, but we actually found that the more time we spent in prayer in our business meetings the more easily the business flowed, the more easily we got through the various points in the agenda that needed our decisions and our discussion and consideration. And so friends, what you, that's what your elders will be doing when we regularly meet together. We will be praying for you by name and by family and by need. We'll be asking for the help and wisdom we need to pastor you, to feed the word, to protect you as a flock. We will seek to depend not on ourselves, but on the chief shepherd to bless his church. And in all of that, we will be seeking to point you and direct you and others who would come and join us by God's grace to that chief shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And ultimately, that is the job of every church elder is to point the people to the one who says those words and to say to the people, believe in him and you will be saved. And having believed in him, keep walking with him until eventually you see him, the lamb in the midst of the throne, Revelation seven seventeen, who will be your shepherd forever. Amen.